You're listening to Deep Cuts with Antoine Reed, Episode 32, Terrence Riley, Agonorsa Leaf. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm going to change the angle here. It's a little dark. There we go. Ugh. So how are things on your end? Oh, just living the dream. Yourself? <laughs> Doing pretty good. You know, getting, getting used to this working from home situation. So, um, you know, just adapting, I guess, at this point. So, where, where are you based again? So I'm in North Carolina. Oh, yeah. So it's not as bad there. You know, it's not like being in up north as much where I, I hear it's like nobody leaves their house except to... You know, they're like trolls, I guess now. Yeah, I mean, most everybody's kind of state. Uh, we have a stay-at-home order for the most part. I think it runs out on Friday. So most people here have kind of stuck to it um, for the most part. Sure. Know, um, I go out in the afternoons for a walk around the neighborhood, and it's pretty quiet. Uh, but there's still people out. But um, it's been okay. You know, it's it's a new diff- It's a new normal, as I call it. Yeah. In Miami, there's still, you know, they haven't set a date to lift things, but the rest of the, outside of uh, Broward, Palm Beach, and uh, Dade County, you can you can basically start going out again. They they lighten things up a little bit. Uh, have you been able to go to the office any and yeah, get I've been, work done? I've, I've been going to the office every day, so we still we have you know a crew there and the guys out packing all wear masks and everything, so uh, keeping distance. But yeah, we're all we, I mean, thank God. Uh, we've been shipping and working every day, and and there's a uh, business, so that's good. Yeah. Well, that's that's good to hear. I know, yeah. and uh, I know it's, it's been tricky for a lot of companies to kind of pivot and get used to, like I said, new conditions and all. But it sounds like you all have adapted a little bit and move forward. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's it's obviously been a challenge, but it's not been that bad. I mean, uh, we've we've had very steady, good sales and. We're happy with with the conditions of you know based on the conditions of things. Okay. Well, well what I wanted to do with deep cuts is um, I, I, we we always work together in terms of like me being media and you having a press release and um, us occasionally doing a story for you and uh, tobacco business. Absolutely. And such. But what I wanted to do in this time of day is with so many people working from home and looking for kind of. Uh, a more interactive engagement, I guess. Absolutely. You know, they're they're the feedback I've gotten is that they're they're craving kind of the lounge experience where they go into a lounge, they sit there, have a nice conversation with somebody, get to know them, and they just don't have that right now with a lot of the stay at home orders being in place and kind of being stuck. Yeah. You know, at home. Um, so what I wanted to do is just kind of get, like I said, bring bring to life your story and um, Agonorsa story and to share that with people in the hopes that, you know, for if they've not tried the Agonorsa brand um, and they, or if they don't know you, then hopefully after this, they'll have like a nice introduction. And that once all of this kind of clears up a little bit and we're able to get back to some type of normal, when they see an Agonorsa cigar in a humidor, then all of a sudden they will feel a little bit more connected to it, maybe may willing to try it if they haven't already. I like the way you think. Um, 
And so I think with the with with you would be a, a good thing just to start at how did you get into the industry? So uh, despite looking and basically being a gringo, uh, <laughs> my uh, I have family that's in the cigar business. Uh, my uncle is Manuel Casada and uh, part of my family uh, goes back to Spain uh, through Cuba. And uh, when they left you know, Cuba, like everybody else did after donating every, you know, all their property to Castro, they reset up in the Dominican Republic. Uh, but my father, he, he grew up in Miami uh, and he didn't, he was never involved in the business. He married my mother who was from Massachusetts. I grew up in Massachusetts. Um, and then, uh, and then when I was younger, I, I spent the summer in the factory. I was like, oh, I'll go down to the Dominican Republic, visit some family and have a good time down there. And, and I didn't even smoke cigars or anything like that at the time. I was pretty young. And, uh, and so I, uh, spent the summer down there, but it was really, you know, an eye opener. Like the, the reason we're all in this business is that the, uh, the camaraderie, the, you know, how much time and effort goes into making cigars. And then I would, I would go over my, my uncle's on Sunday and we would play cards and have a couple of adult beverages and smoke cigars. And so I was kind of like, wow, this is really something special. And, uh, and then a few years later, I was able to go to work for him for full time. And I worked with him for, uh, about 10 years. And then uh, about three years ago now, or I just, in, in December three years, I, uh, I joined uh, Aganorsa at the time called Casa Fernandez. And they brought me on to kind of uh, uh, better define the brand uh, uh, than it was. It was really kind of, you know, they had cigars and they made cigars for other people, but, you know, nobody really connected the different brands that they made, for, you know, that we made for ourselves. And uh, outside the industry, we really weren't well known. And so my job is to kind of, preach the gospel and, and, and kind of uh, not only reach out to our retail partners and consumers and work with them, but also to, to give them a better understanding of what type of company we are. And you, you mentioned working with Manuel Casada, of course, who's a, uh, you know, I, I actually did the factory, not the factory, the field tour during Pro Cigar this year. Oh, uh, nice. So, it's, they they um, do a great job. Yeah, so I got to see sit there, and then he did the nice little blending seminar. Um, you know, so what what did you kind of learn from him about the tobacco industry in particular? Yeah, quite a bit. I mean, it, I was really blessed I, to, to work with him uh, and my and my cousins. Uh, you know, he, he he's been in the business his whole life, and he knows so much. And then not only he was in the business, but his father's in the business, and his father's and going back, you know, quite a way. And just uh, so many things. I mean, about tobacco itself, but also about the relationships. I got he introduced me to. People like Daniel Nunez, Benji Menendez, uh, the Placencia family, uh, and so many, you know, and that's just, you know, a, a few. Um, and uh, I was able to, to build relationships with those with those people and learn from them. And uh, th those guys have been in the game a long time. So uh, so they've probably forgotten more than I will ever know. And, uh, and so just between the knowledge of tobacco, the relationships, uh, the nature of the business, the gentleman's business, uh, a lot of deals are done with handshakes. And, uh, you know, you know, it's a small business. And so if you ever, you know, don't stand by your word, um, you know, it's a small business. People are going to know that and that you're kind of going to ruin your reputation. So uh, I can't say enough good things. When, when you made the, the move to Casa Fernandez and now it's known as Aganorsa Leap, I mean, what was your initial thoughts? What, what did you kind of see as your biggest challenge to kind of that you need to get over? So it, it was basically that it was the fact that 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 people didn't understand the brand or were aware of it. And the best cigar you've never heard of is one you don't smoke. So I always say uh, 
the, the, the brands that have long-term loyalty are, are the ones where people understand what the brand is about. Uh, the, the cigar is obviously very important and, and I didn't need to do anything there. In fact, if I had to, I wouldn't have joined the company because that's not my area of expertise. I, I, I can't tell them how to run a factory better or to, to blend differently or anything else. And none of that needed to be really adjusted. And, uh, you know, everybody liked the blends. They thought they were really incredible. Um, but, but they just didn't know how to present themselves as well as they, they could. And so I, that, that was my role is to come in into, uh, most companies are kind of define themselves in one of three ways. And this is a crude definition and it, nobody's all of one, but basically people kind of, they, it's either uh, brand cult of personality where there's something about the owner, the owner's, uh, charisma and, and personality is very closely linked with the brand. Um, and then there's companies. Uh, that are more lifestyle based. Uh, I always use one of the best examples is, is Davidoff. Yeah, Davidoff, who owns Davidoff? Who knows? But you know, immediately you think of luxury, you think of high end lifestyle, you think of, of quality, you have, you have a very clear picture of what Davidoff represents and, and they very well align that. Uh, and then you have product based companies where it's something particularly about the product itself that separates the company. And that's for us, it's our tobacco. The tobacco we grow, we're one of the largest growers in Nicaragua um, and companies uh, you know, from Drew Estate, uh, the, the good people at Altidus, uh, uh, J.C. Newman, so many people uh, buy our tobacco. Um, and then uh, also we make cigars for ourselves and for other people. And that that tobacco uh, has, comes from two seeds in two regions, Corojo 99 and Creole 98, primarily from Jalapa and Esteli, a little bit from Con, uh, Condega as well. And the way we process the, the seeds we use and that whole system we have creates a signature flavor profile that nobody else has. And, uh, and that's what makes it special. And so it was a matter of getting that uh, story uh, and information out to people so that they understood when you buy Aganorsa, this is what you're buying. And um, a minute ago, you talked about basically the two different types of products or how you market them. You either have, like I said, a personality that's in front of it, or you have the product itself, the focus. Um, as somebody who has worked in the marketing field, um, is one of them kind of trickier to work with or are both of them equally challenging? I, I think it's just a matter of knowing what what your strengths are, really. I mean, you know, there's different. There's all sorts of different. There's there's not a right answer to any of these. I mean, I think they they're all. You can see very successful examples of all of them, and uh, it's just a matter of what your strengths are. And for us, you know, we're not the the most exciting people in the world. Uh, it's so it's not so much about any 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 of us in the company. It's about the the tobacco we grow, which for me is very exciting. And so. Uh, and again, it's, it's all genuine in terms of the process, in terms of the seeds we use. It's not a bunch of stories about, you know, we got tobacco from Castro's beard and we fermented it in a nuclear reactor in North Korea or some crazy story. It's all a genuine story. Um, and and you, you mentioned the story, and this is something that has come up a lot in deep cuts, whether I'm talking to Michael Herklotz or Rick Ardito um, yesterday. You know, the fact that a brand, whether, like you said, whichever path you take, whether it's the personality or the product driven, like you need basically, a, from what I'm gathering, like a good story in order to, to sell your product. Do you think that's the case? Yeah, I, th I think you need to, to have an identity. I mean, it, I think story can sometimes be misconstrued as, as, you know, like a made up, you know, fable or something right. like that. Um, but I would agree with that if it's in the sense of identity, like people need to know what this is about. And that's true of anything. If you go into you know, a, a liquor store or you go buy a car or anything, there's th that you're defining yourself 
to some degree by what you decide to purchase. And, you know, yeah, there are people that it's purely about money. It's just commodity. And, and that's the case for, you know, all products, but, but uh, for premium cigars, um, that's not the case because you just want, I mean, you can, you can certainly save a lot of money buying something that's uh, machine made or, or, uh, you know, whatever, whatever, that's not premium uh, definition. Um, so people that are buying premium cigars for the most part are buying something beyond simply, uh, you know, the, the tobacco they're, they're, they're buying, uh, into, into a belief system, into, into a style, into something that represents them. I always, I always joke that if you take a, a guy's cigar and you take uh, the band off and it's his favorite cigar in the world and he loves it and, it, and he smokes it every day and you put a Hillary Clinton 2020 band on it, he may, he may like it less or he may like it more, but uh, he's going to feel, he's going to feel differently about it. Uh, and, uh, and it's the same cigar. It hasn't changed. So, uh, it's very important that what you're, you know, that you have, you have that identity and that identity reflect a reality. I mean, if, again, if, it, if, if there's too much information these days, uh, with, uh, internet and phones and every camera and everything where people are going to find out if you're just got some crazy made up thing. Um, so you, you've got to, you've got to be genuine in, in how you tell that story. The authenticity is kind of the key. Absolutely. Um, when it comes to marketing a product like a premium cigar, and you've kind of talked about this, but like there's so many companies I think who are kind of struggling with the idea because I think we're seeing a shift in the industry right now, especially with all the legislation and regulation stuff going on where, you know, a couple of years ago, the whole focus was new products every year, new products to keep you sure. busy. And now the shift is more focused, I think, maybe on experience um, because that that will never change. But the, the fact that you can't have a new product out, it seems like it is changing. So where do you think the focus for you of being a marketer and being in the middle of all this, where is that focus? Um, it's a great now? question. I, th I think that uh, I think the key is to is to present things in a new in a new way in that, in that sense. For instance, like uh, we, we introduced uh, when I joined uh, shortly or shortly thereafter, our, our Agonorsa experiences where it's of events where they're just kind of buying cigars is that they get to try our Corojo 99 and Corojo 98 uh, uh, Puritos, the pure leaf itself, and they smoke them individually and then together and then they smoke one of the cigars. And so you kind of go from kind of single notes on the piano to chopsticks to, to Mozart and that you know, there's guys that have been smoking their whole lives, basically, uh, or their adult lives. And, and they'll say things like, oh, I've never done this before. I've never experienced this. And, and it allows them to see how we create that flavor profile rather than just tell them. And so when and we, and we don't get into like, oh, chocolate cream pie and all this stuff. I mean, we, we're like, okay, our Corojo 99 is going to make you salivate. And it's going to give you some spice on the retrohale on, on the tip of the tongue. And there's a lingering sweetness. And people taste that. It's not, it's not a, a, you know, a bunch of crazy marketing terms. And so when they do that, it's like the light goes off and they say, okay, now I recognize that taste. And when they taste the cigar, they're picking that up in a way that they hadn't before. So that completely changed. It's the same cigar, but now we've completely changed their experience on it. So that's one way. Also in terms of packaging, at least for us, I mean, we've repackaged a lot of things. I mean, some of our stuff uh, just really, you, you would never even know we made it. I mean, you could put all a bunch of our products on the shelf and you'd be, you thought it was 13 different companies. Um, and so by packaging it more in a consistent format so that it's, it's clear that it's Agonorsa, uh, I think that's been, uh, really successful. And, and you kind of mentioned this or touched on it, the, the whole idea of reviews in this industry, because one of the fun things that I think we experienced when we were, um, at Pro Cigar this year and, um, at the Casada tour was, you know, we were going to, 
to lunch after the, the whole blending seminar and somebody asked um, Manuel about the whole rating thing and, and flavors and stuff like, you know, picking up. And he gave us a, a brief history that we didn't even know we were going to get about ratings and how, you know, back in the day, the cigar, you know, manufacturers, they didn't, they would never have thought of rating it. Like, like you said, some of the weird flavors that come up. Um, yeah. And, and let me be clear also, like everyone's palate is different. I've had people right. tell me completely genuinely that they taste all sorts of things. Um, and that's, but that's your palate. And so if, if that's what you taste, that's what you taste. But our, with, the, with the experience that we're trying to do is make that determination for yourself. Oftentimes people will say, hey, is this good? It's like, well, did you smoke it? It's like, yeah, well, is it good? <laughs> I mean, if you like it, it's good. And if you don't, it's not. And if you taste, if you taste, uh, you know, raisin or, or, or blueberry or, or chocolate or whatever it is, I'm not saying you don't taste that, that that's not there. I'm saying that that everyone has their own palate and, and I don't get caught up too much on what other people say, get caught up on, on what you experience. Yeah, because I think that's the one issue I have with a lot of reviews because for me, I'm really a novice beginner on a beginner end of the spectrum when it comes to cigars. So when people say, you know, I'm tasting Lucky Charms and, and Coca-Cola and hints of, of this, I'm like, I don't, I was like, it just tastes like tobacco you know, to me. So I'm always curious about people and their thoughts about the rating process um, and picking up all these weird flavors. Because to me, it's, it's just, I've yet, it's just not there. Yeah, and, and in fairness too, I think as time goes on, you start picking up more. It's kind of like the first time you, you drink like scotch. You kind of all, it just it tastes like alcohol because you're not used to it. And then as time goes on, you start picking up the differences between something in a sherry cast and something that's obviously peated or not peated or, or so, so there is definitely like different variations and, and there's, you know, there's different notes. And as, as we mature, our palates mature, we'll pick up on more things. Um, but yeah, for me, I, I think if you have a room, what we want with our, our events where we do these tastings is we want anybody there to get it. And so I think with a lot of people, if you go too far in, into it uh, at that level for them, they say one of two things. They go, uh, I guess I just don't have a palate or they go, this guy's just making stuff up. And so if, if you can say, if you can tell them what they're going to experience and then they experience it, that's much more powerful. Uh, and so we kind of are, are more reserved with the notes that are definitely going to be there. And then beyond that, we let people make that determination themselves. Yeah. And I guess, and I know you, you do run a lot of these different seminars throughout the year. Um, you know, when it comes to developing your palate, I mean, what are your, what's your advice like should we be keeping a journal of our like thoughts like different cigars should we be looking for certain things when we smoke a cigar like what what should that experience be like so i i think it also depends on like your level you know some people and to be honest with you when i enjoy a cigar i don't think about it really at all in that way i just pick it up it, it's almost i almost have to flip a switch because most of the time when i'm smoking something it's and this is not hard hard work, but but it's I'm checking to make sure it's consistent. It tastes the same as it tastes last time. Its burn is is, is performing correctly. Uh, it draws well, and I'm kind of going through that process. I don't think that that is as enjoyable as just lighting up a cigar and us having a conversation and me enjoying in the cigar. So in that sense, uh, I think that we got to be careful not to get too uh, technical about the experience. We should just enjoy it for what it is. But yeah, obviously you want to you want to be able to have a better idea of what you'll enjoy and what, what you'll, you won't enjoy. And so doing, doing seminars is great because then you get to smoke individual components of tobacco. Michael Herklotz, who you've had on, uh, does an amazing one 
Um, and then there's lots of other people that, that do them out there besides us. We weren't the first certainly to do it. Um, and then, uh, and then just kind of keeping paying attention from like, fa you know, factories of origin, you know, like, oh, th that factory uh, makes this. Okay, well, I like this other product from their factory, uh, you know, wrappers, um, you know, regions, things like that. I, you, I think you just have to be careful. What happens is people start saying, I don't like Connecticut. I don't like uh, XYZ tobacco. And right. they get kind of stuck in their head and they lose out because, well, yeah, that, that, uh, that, that seed grown in this region, in this country, is going to be a little bit different, obviously, than grown in another region in another country. Um, so you, you always want to keep open-minded, uh, but at the same time, try to learn as much as, as, as much as you can. When you speak to retailers who are looking, because retailers have a very tough job of, you know, they have a limited amount of space and they have to decide what to bring into that space, that humidor to, to that's going to sell and connect with their customers. So what kind of questions do they have for you as, you know, a, being on a manufacturing side? Uh, yeah, I, th I think that the, the key, the key, the thing, the retailer has got a limited amount of space and he wants, uh, he wants that space to be productive. Uh, and, and so obviously that there's a lot of questions about how the product sells, uh, you know, they have products in their store or styles of products, whether it's certain ring gauges or certain uh, countries of origin or certain, uh, uh, you know, blend profiles that that are successful for them. So the last question is about that. Um, and then also a big thing in this industry, which is still nice. It's uh, it's it's kind of uh, one of the last ones that I like this. A lot of it is individual relationship. A lot of it is that can I, you know, can I trust this person? You know, is this a person that if there is a problem and there's always a problem at some point, you know, in a lot right. of to pay, I mean, there's all, this is the cigar industry and so many people are involved that have to do their job right. At some point there's uh, there's going to be some sort of issue. Is this person going to take care of me? Is this person going to, uh, or they're going to leave me out to dry. And so I'd say the, the two big questions uh, with the second one being the more important uh, is, is will this product sell for me? And can I, can I uh, trust this person? So on the topic of relationships, I mean, how, as a manufacturer, like how do you maintain a relationship with so many different retailers at one time to make them feel like they're not kind of lost or disaligned in that sales sheet? Well, well, uh, technology has made this significantly easier. I mean, God bless uh, the sales reps back in the day, driving around with maps and uh, <laughs> pay phones and, uh, and quarter rolls. And uh, I mean, I don't know how those guys did it. I mean, those guys are, are legends. Um, but for me, I mean, there's text messages, there's FaceTime, and now we've seen, we're seeing a lot of Zoom meetings, uh, there's emails, there's phone calls. And then again, I travel pretty extensively as well. I think what I try to do is I try to, to let the, the, our sales team do most of the selling, and I try to maintain relationships. So I, I don't want people when they see my number being like, what is this guy? You know, he's, oh, the only reason he ever calls me is to sell me something. And right. so a lot of times, I, and in fact, I would say most of the time, my my calls are simply, hey, how are you doing? How's the family? How's the product going? Uh, what can we do to help? Uh, all that kind of thing. And so that's really uh, more of what I'm trying to do is make sure that those relationships are strong, so that when our sales team does go in there, um, it's it's easier for them to, to 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 put the right product in their store. Is there like a certain amount of time you spend each day just kind of touching base with with people? Because I know like. Um, there's all, a day. Marketer, all day, all day. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a marketer, Gary V who talks about social media a lot. Sure. He says, you know, you, he's like, people forget that it's social media. So he's like, so you have to spend time being social on it to get anything out of it. 
Um, yeah, so. I, I, I saw Gary V actually a couple of years ago and, uh, and I follow him and he's definitely had a big impact on my, my strategies and, and things like that and, and my philosophy. Um, yeah, because again, I think what the biggest mistake a lot of people make is what they're, they're trying to get likes and they're trying to get people, the, the, the purpose of it is to, is to build connection and that's through dialogue. And that's not just putting a post out and then never answering any questions on it or just trying to sell people stuff. Uh, you, what you, you want to do is put out content. You want to put out good content that people are interested in uh, and that will attract them to see, see more from you. And then also uh, be very proactive in, in engagement and talking to people and responding. And there's people that I've never even met that uh, I have you know, I would almost, I would go forward or so far as they use the word friends. I mean, they, they contact me all the time. Hey, I tried your cigar with this, uh, with this scotch the other day. It was great. And Hey, this is a picture of me and my, my uh, wife on vacation, uh, you know, smoking, uh, an agonorsa. Uh, and so, and that's really the most rewarding thing for, for me. The only, the only metric of success is the consumer's passion for the product and the, and the retailer's passion for the product. And, and that is what gets people to do things. If I, if I sit here and I say, you know, uh, He's got this, uh, you know, really flavorful tobacco and cigars are really good. And, and uh, you know, we're one of the largest growers in Nicaragua. I mean, everything I'm saying is true, but it's not very interesting. And whereas with somebody, if somebody you trust and respect uh, that doesn't work for the company says, man, you've got to try this. It's amazing. Uh, right, right away. And that's how I buy things. I mean, I go to the liquor store and somebody told me, hey, when you're there, look out for this. If it's there, buy a bottle. You, you won't regret it. I mean, that is 10 times more powerful than any sort of, uh, shelf talker or the, or the, or the anything else, any, you know, any article or anything. Uh, that's, that to me is the most powerful thing. And uh, that's what we want is we want uh, people to go out there that really enjoy the product uh, to such a degree that, that they spread that enthusiasm to others. So really it's like the, the word of mouth is, is your marketing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, really that's what it is now is word on the street is, 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 is king. I mean, and because there's so many ways to disseminate that, uh, you know, there's so many groups and there's always some people in that group that are highly respected in terms of their opinion. And then those people uh, get on board. Um, now you have somebody that's advocating for you with no personalized incentive. They're not getting paid. They're not, they're not getting anything for doing it. They're doing it because of love of the product. And, uh, and that, that's honestly, every time somebody says, oh, I, lo I love Agonorsa, I, I really encourage people to reach out to me because that means what we're doing is, is working. When somebody call, you know, calls or writes or, or whatever and says, hey, I just want you to let you know that, that I, so, I really enjoy your product and I love Agonorsa. And every time something comes out, I, I look forward to it because it's one of my favorites to go. So that's, that's what we're looking for. How is the Lunatic Torch doing? Because I know that's just came out. Hey, literally, I, I, got, I think I got one here. I can show you. Uh, it literally just started shipping. We have a, a program called our Agonorsa Select Retailers. Mm -hmm. These are guys that uh, uh, heavily support us and, and uh, partake in a program. And, uh, and so they, they get first crack at it uh, right now. And then in the summertime, we're gonna open it up uh, to all our retail partners. And, and what, what I like about the torch, if you can see it here, is that the foot is, uh, is, uh, is unfinished. It's, it's called the brush foot. And, uh, and, and for us, it's a cigar that actually existed for, for a while, but again, it was packaged and weirdly, and it, it looked, it just, it didn't catch the eye. It was really, so we've redone it. And again, it really falls in line with what we do because it allows you to smoke the filler and binder tobaccos, see how, what flavor those create. And then you hit our Corojo 99 wrapper and it changes it. And, it, and then, so you really get to see that transition 
and see how our, our tobacco creates that signature flavor in the cigar. So we're really excited about it. And so far we've gotten a lot of great feedback, even though we start, we literally started shipping it like about four or five days ago. So. How, like you just talked about some program that you designed basically to, to create like a, not an exclusive um, bit, but just to focus on certain retailers. So how did you go, like, how did you go about designing that program to kind of stimulate kind of interest? I mean, to be honest, we, we, what we did is we kept, uh, it's, it's not an, an extremely high bar to join because we don't want to, you know, some guys have 20 stores and some guys have one. And so we don't want, you know, you could have a great supporter that has one store where you have 25% of his humidor, um, but, uh, but not, you know, not six stores where you have 5%, but it ends up being the same, you know, the same amount. So, so we wanted to make sure it was, uh, uh, available, at least feasible to most, to most retailers who wanted to partake in it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and so th that was one of the key requirements. And then, you know, it, it just, there's some incentives to it. You know, if you, if you're getting behind us, you're carrying a lot of our brands, uh, you're using that retail space to place our products. Uh, we're going to give you, you know, incentives for that, such as again, getting the torch a little bit sooner than, than, uh, than everybody else. Uh, you know, so that's the, the idea is you, you don't want to create it. So it's so exclusive that like m the vast majority of people, uh, can't partake in it. And you, but you also want to make sure the people that are involved, uh, are rewarded for it. Somebody asked, by the way, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a brush foot, which is, uh, a uh, little different than a shaggy foot. Shaggy foot kind of has the tobacco jutting out all over the place. This, the, just the wrapper is removed from the last half inch. And, uh, and that allows uh, a, a more consistent burn of the filler and binder when it hits the wrapper. Whereas the shaggy foot kind of has a whole bunch of tobacco jutting out of it. And it's a little bit uh, messier. When it came time for you to, when you came into the company, and I know that you all released this big press release saying that we we're going to change the name of the company redo it like what was that process like to make the switch from casa fernandez to everything kind of being branded agonor elite well again we wanted the name to reflect who we are uh you know casa fernandez uh you know aje fernandez it's, it causes confusion and it really didn't reflect who we were the leaf we we grow is what makes us special so it made more sense to call the company after that uh, in fairness, I envisioned a more gradual transition for that uh, over a period of time. Uh, but uh, to, to, to their credit, uh, Dion Giulietto from Illusion and Nick Malillo from Foundation uh, talked to uh, Max Fernandez, uh, Eduardo's son, and, uh, and, and really pushed to do it, you know, just tear the bandaid off and do it quicker. And, uh, and we did. And uh, that, was the, that was a smart move. So. Um, most of most of the things that we do that are successful are somebody else's ideas. I basically listen to what people say and then uh, and then you know execute uh, you know the, the the vision. And somebody wants to know: Do you still toast the foot like a normal cigar on that cigar that you were showing us? Yeah, yeah, you would light it up normally, and uh, and and again, it's only about a half inch, so it's not too long uh, because the idea is obviously to enjoy the cigar with the wrapper on it, but it gives you about you know uh, five minutes or ten minutes, depending on how fast you smoke of uh, just tasting that, that wrapper and binder and seeing how that's kind of a, you know, the base profile and you, and then it hits the wrapper and the change of that. So, so again, just another way, like, like we were talking about before, how to experience something different uh, without coming out with all these new things and, and new, new blends and everything like that. So Aganorsa, like you said, I don't think people realize that Aganorsa makes a lot of cigars or gives the tobacco, supplies the tobacco to a lot of companies. So I don't think 
people know that, so they don't. They may not have smoked an Agonorsa cigar, but they've had Agonorsa tobacco in some way, probably, um, in one shape or form. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our biggest operation is growing tobacco. I mean, that's the biggest part of the business. And then we also uh, make make cigars for other people and, and make them for ourselves. So um, that that's uh, it, it, you've almost certainly had Agonorsa at some point, even if you didn't realize it. And, and I know one of those brands you work with is uh, Warped. Is that yes, absolutely. That's yeah. The case? yeah kind that's, of... that's always a, a cigar that kind of ranks high on a lot of end of the year list and, and such. So so how did that relationship come about? Uh, so Kyle Gellis uh, and uh, Max Fernandez uh, are, are very close and, and uh, they work together uh, to on a lot of blends. We even did the Guardian of the Farm uh, collaboration together, um, named after the American Bulldogs we use to guard our fields. Uh, each size is named after one of the dogs. And uh, one's, uh, the Apollo is named after Kyle's dog and the other three are named after ours. And that was very successful project. Uh, one of the things I always say is that the people that work with us are, are some of the best testaments to the quality of what we have because uh, th these people are all very successful um, using our tobacco and creating their own expressions of our tobacco uh, with their palates. In your opinion, what makes a good cigar? Like, what are you looking for in terms of like the draw, you know, the, the outer yeah. look of it, the smoke? There's so many things that people look for that they kind of rate. Um, so I'm just curious for you, like what are you looking for in a good, what makes a good cigar? For, for me, I, I, I burn it. I, so construction wise, burn and, burn and draw. I don't want to be playing around with a cigar. I don't want to be, you know, you know, uh, sitting there fighting it. Uh, so that's the first two qualities. And those are objective qualities, right? You know, it's, it's either burns well or it doesn't. It either draws or it doesn't. In terms of flavor, I, I tend to like medium body. I like balance. I, I love our Corojo 99 uh, uh, tobacco. It's got that nice sweetness to it. I don't like tobaccos that dry out your palate. Um, and I, I just like, I like something that, that keeps you interested and, and has nuance, um, but isn't going to either blow you over or, or bore you. And so I, I would say that that's kind of my profile. Now, with that said, my profile is completely irrelevant. <laughs> what, what my job is, is to see what, like, I'll be quite frank with you. We make uh, eight by 80, eight by 60, uh, 770. Uh, in terms of flavor, because I've smoked everything because I didn't want to sell anything that I haven't smoked. They're, they're, they're excellent cigars and we blend to those sizes. It's just not a bunch of extra filler tobaccos in there. But I would never personally smoke that on my own accord. It's just not, but who am I to say, oh, well, we should make this because it's not my style of cigar. Uh, same thing with Lanceros. I love Lancero. They're delicious. But uh, you, you want to go out of business, make a company based on selling Lanceros for the most part. I mean, there's only one person I can think of that, that really has a model of selling uh, just Lanceros. And uh, that's uh, Sto uh, my friend uh, Jorge at uh, Stogie's in Houston. And uh, he's been able to do that. Uh, but for the most part, uh, Lanceros is not a size that, that sells very well. People look at it and you tell them how great the flavor is and how great it is to roll and, uh, or how hard it is to roll. And, uh, and they just look at it and they go, ah, they just don't see themselves smoking some, something long and, and, and slender like that. And uh, it's not a popular size. So for me, what we've got to do is make sure what we're putting out there is what people want. And uh, we can do, and we have, we have Lanceros, uh, but you know, we have to make sure that we're picking, you know, we can't just say, okay, here's a cigar, you know, let's see how it sells. It's like, okay, who is this cigar for? What's the market for it? How does this fit into our portfolio? And all those questions are really uh, essential uh, 
to, to making sure the product's going to be successful because there's lots of great cigars, but if it, if it doesn't have all the uh, check marks, uh, it's a very competitive market. There's, there's a lot of great cigars out there. So what is the most popular size that you found? I would say the two are the, the 60, uh, 60 ring gauge, 660s, uh, and uh, 60 plus, I guess I could say, and, and, uh, and basically the Toro size. Those are the two sizes that basically, that if you only come out with two sizes, those seem to have the most popularity. And then, you know, Robusto's there too. Um, but I would say that the top two are, are Toro and then 60 plus. Those are the most popular sizes. And somebody wanted to know, um, going forward, is everything going to be branded Agonorus Elite or will there be something that might come out that says Casa Fernandez on it? We, we've tried to minimize the, the Casa Fernandez aspect of it because for FDA purposes and things like that, you, you've got to be careful on how, you know, how much you change something. Um, but the Agonorus Elite will be the, the highlight and at the forefront of all branding um, moving forward. So mar marketing cigars now. Because we've entered, especially with the coronavirus, it seems it has accelerated everybody's launch into the digital space all of a sudden. So, sure. Like, like, what's what's the best way to market a cigar to reach the retailer and to reach the consumer now? Well, I, I think that this only has only really accelerated what was already happening. I, I don't think this is entirely all new. And in fact, if you look at most other industries that are less traditional, they they were already way way ahead of uh, in this process. Um, so I think it's more, I mean, like Zoom, for instance, I mean, Zoom meetings, I mean, I would say that 90% of retailers didn't know what Zoom was prior to this. And now, heck, a lot of them are doing uh, Zoom meetings. We've been doing virtual uh, Agonorist experiences where we send the retailer, um, the Fumas and their customers uh, will buy a pack and get them and then all online, we'll get together and we'll go through it and do the tasting just as we would in person. Um, I, I can't say I've, I've changed too much in that way because I've, I've been pushing social media pretty heavily for the last couple of years uh, mm -hmm. and uh, and try to you know do as much all the different things. I mean, I, I don't you don't want to be too reliant on any particular avenue. Uh, so LinkedIn is great. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit more professional, obviously, than Facebook. Uh, it's getting a little bit more political, but it's, it's less so. Um, right. So you can really connect with people uh, on LinkedIn that maybe, you know, the, you know, if you tried to friend them on Facebook, they might say, yeah, do I want this guy seeing pictures of my kids, uh, you know, in their Halloween costumes or whatever. Um, so that there's that. And then you have Instagram and Facebook, obviously. Um, you have uh, Twitter still. And so you try to just utilize all those, all those different tools have, have various strengths and you, and you try to utilize them all because who knows? I mean, Facebook tomorrow could say, okay, no more uh, pictures of uh, cigars. And then, and then if all you're doing is Facebook, well, now you got a problem. So uh, right. this is this has introduced some new tools. Zoom, um, for instance, I think was not probably viable for the most part prior to this. And now I think it's going to be much more uh, a useful uh, tool. But you just keep looking for things like that and and uh, and stay consistent. Yeah, I mean, you can't just do it once. You have, you know, I mean, you've been doing these these videos every, every day that becomes OK. You know, and, and I'm, you get you get to expect it and you get to look for it. Whereas if it's once every two months, it, it's kind of hard to you know, keep people in the clockwork for that. So uh, I think consistency is really important too. Yeah. And I think it's just adjusting to the times because, you know, I, I don't pay as much attention to the analytics for these kind of videos. Um, but I do kind of look, you know, at the end when I'm, you know, hitting that share button, I say, okay, this many people tuned in. So maybe 
next week I need to scale back a little bit because maybe more people are getting out and they're, you know, getting back to some type of normalcy. Maybe they're not tuning in. So I think you have to adjust basically to whatever's going on um, in the world. If you stay the same, you know, it's almost like beating your head against the wall. At a, at a certain point, you're going to plateau. So you kind of have to adjust your strategy based on your, your customers or based on your consumers or viewers or whatever kind of thing you're going after. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, you, you always be looking to see where the change. And again, things are going to, things are going to change now. They were already changing, but they're definitely going to change more now. And uh, I think if you put your head in the sand and just wait for things to go back to the way they were, I, I, I just don't see a full return to how things were prior to this. I, I, I don't, I don't, I think that some of these people are going to get very used to some of these new uh, technologies that they wouldn't have used, but kind of, kind of been forced into it. And, uh, and and once they're used to it, now now that they're going to use it, do you see the cigar industry kind of sticking to some of these digital stuff that they're doing, like the Zoom meetings and the virtual herbs? And yeah, see I, that being sticking around for a while, or do you think once like things get back to quote unquote normal, you know, they'll go back to the old ways of kind of you know whatever you know advertising in this magazine, advertising in that magazine, and you know, I mean, in store I, events. I think that they'll they'll. There'll, there'll be some people that as soon as Zoom is no longer a necessity, they're going to go done and they're going to go to the shop and they're going to sit there in the chair that they've been missing. And, and, and so there's some of that, but there's going to be a lot of people that are going to still view this as, uh, you know, not only, not only again for their shop, but they've maybe found a group uh, that that's from people of all over the country and they, and they want to be involved in, in that. They've met new people. And uh, you know, so I, I don't think, it, I don't think it's a matter of either or I think it's a matter of, of, fully utilizing both. And if you leave one on the table, like I wouldn't just say, okay, I'm going to close up my shop and do zoom meetings. I mean, that's not going to be effective either, but, but uh, it's finding that happy medium. I think the big, the biggest question is, is how do you find the happy medium between uh, going into a retail shop, which is a hundred times more the experience than clicking a button online, but it's equally less convenient. You've got to drive somewhere. You've got to park, you've got to go in. Uh, you don't know necessarily if they have the product. Uh, if they don't, you got to find something else. And, and so there's the, on that side. And then on the other side, you're not getting the camaraderie. You're not getting the, the experience uh, of, of clicking a button online. And so how do, you, how do you kind of channel that in between? Well, Zoom and some of these things, I think, uh, are going to create the possibility of, of creating that middle ground where you can, you can still enjoy uh, the, the experience or close to the experience of, be, of being in the store. Um, you know, w without necessarily having to. And that's great for a lot of people because if you live in, you know, the middle of nowhere somewhere, uh, maybe your, your shop is 40 miles away or something like that. And yeah, you go out there, but you can't go out there every day or maybe every, every, uh, every month even. Um, so if you can, uh, you know, maybe hook up with that retailer uh, through Zoom or whatever, uh, Instagram or Facebook Lives or whatever it is, um, I think that that's good for everybody. So somebody asked, what is your favorite Agonorsa? branded cigar uh so again i i kind of bounce around a little bit uh in a little bit of his dictated with time so i smoke a lot of uh the guardian of the farm rambo it's a perfect size it's like a rothschild size i love the flavor on it it's a cigar i can have in the morning i can have it with coffee i can have it with a drink at night um so it's a good anytime cigar for me and uh it's not too long a smoke usually i'm traveling around and you know as smoking bands increase sometimes you can't i hate leaving a cigar unfinished um, so there's that. There's our Buena Cosecha brand, which is really incredible. Um, our JFR Corojo is a cigar I love. 
And then obviously the limited stuff like our Supreme Leaf, the Lunatic Torch, but there's an expression in Spanish, uh, no fumes la ganancia. And so if we only have 500 boxes of something, uh, our Agonor Leaf signature, which actually I do have one here, uh, you know, these are limited things. So uh, the more I smoke of them, the less we can send to our, our, our retail partners. Uh, so uh, I, I, I smoke less of those, even though you know, sometimes I may enjoy them more. And somebody else, and the same person wanted to know, what is your favorite non-Agonorsa cigar? Um, non-Agonorsa. So I, I, I love uh, a lot of stuff from the Placencias. Um, say I have one is a little bit hard, you know? It, it's, uh, it really depends on the time. Like the Placencia Almaforte, I think, is an incredible cigar. Uh, I, I like stuff, I'll, I'll, I'll give this as just kind of a cop-out answer, but I like stuff that's, di that's different than what we have because I'll just smoke our product if, if I'm looking for that style. Right. So, you know, uh, you know, Steve Saka, uh, you know, the, the Roma craft stuff. Um, th those are all great cigars with, uh, you know, I know another one I love is, uh, up there in uh, Honduras is, uh, Aladino. Uh, I think those are excellent cigars. So I tend to like, uh, you know, good expressions of a different style, uh, when I, when I'm not smoking ours. So that's as good as an answer as I can give you. Somebody brought up Supreme Leaf. Now, Supreme Leaf was a, a cigar that you released at TPE, which I think is the last time I saw you in person. So back in, in January, it seems so far away. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about Supreme Leaf and, and how that cigar is done. I've seen it, I think, all over social media, like different retailers have brought it in. So, so how is it doing for you all? It, well, it, it sold out at T, uh, TPE. So we did 500 boxes. That, that, the story with that is uh, uh, there's a... A gentleman uh, Brian from uh, Provada Cigar Club, and uh, he he came to me and he said, "Listen, uh, Terrence, I think that you you have amazing cigars, but I think you're missing a segment of the market because your packaging is very uh, is very traditional and very classic. And there's some people that are looking for something a little bit that looks different. And if we can create a really exciting blend and package it in in, in a way that really is eye catching, I think it'll be successful." And, uh, and in fairness to him, he came up with the, the band design and, uh, and, you know, he just did it kind of out of the goodness of his heart. He didn't ask anything from me for it. Um, and uh, other than to give him credit because <laughs> uh, it was his idea. Um, and so I said, okay, we'll do that. And with TPE, we did 500 boxes. It's got very vibrant colors. It's, uh, uh, you know, different colors. You don't see orange and uh, purple often on a cigar band, but it, it really came across as, as elegant and, 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 uh, and, and eye-catching eye in, in, my, in my mind. And so uh, it was a huge success. And uh, we're going to make some more this summer. It uses a Viso uh, uh, wrapper instead of, a, instead of a Seco. And so in terms of aging, in terms of uh, wrapper selection, it takes a little while to, to get enough. Plus, we have to keep maintaining the, the wrapper that we use for our regular production. It doesn't make any sense to rob Peter to pay Paul. And, uh, and so we have to be a little careful on that. So we'll have more coming out this summer. And then... Uh, and, and then that'll be the next batch. But the first 500, they went as fast as, I mean, I had to limit. I, I, it was almost the opposite problem is I had people screaming at me that they only got two boxes or whatever <laughs> they got. Whatever they got wasn't enough and they were upset. So it was a really successful product. Well, what do you kind of attribute that success to? Is, was it just the design or was it just the limited no, nature I, of it? I think, it's, I think it, it goes to the, you got to check all the check marks. One, it's an excellent cigar. So you got to start there. And if you don't have that, then... Uh, any packaging that's really amazing and the cigar is underperforms, it's going to be a disappointing experience. Um, but that said, uh, it definitely got people to look at it. You know, there's so many cigars in the humidor 
that cigar sticks out. And so you see that. And I think mo what most people did is they said, oh, wow, that's, uh, that's something I got to try. Or maybe it was just too unorthodox for them, but it made them look at, at, at Agonorsa. And, uh, and so then they, maybe they picked the Agonorsa signature, which has more classic packaging that was next to it. So uh, I, th I think it just did all the checkboxes. It stood out. It was a great cigar. And it, and it, and it looked, uh, looked really, really vibrant and eye-catching. Uh, I think that's a, like a, a great lesson just to kind of listen to your partners, whether they're retail partners or just consumers, because, I mean, you came up with, like I said, somebody just brought you this idea and, and it turned out to be a, a great success. Like I said, I've seen it all over social media. So um, I, I don't have any good ideas. I, what <laughs> I do is, is I've, I, I listen to our, 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 uh, our reps and our, our, our retailers and, and our consumers. And then we do things based on their feedback. Now, again, every idea, you know, it's say, okay, let's do this, let's do that. But if you hear consistent feedback or you hear something that really makes sense, um, you know, that's, they have the, the eye view that's important. I think in this industry, you get caught up in the fact that, I mean, I don't have to buy every single cigar I smoke from, from, from us. And, you know, guys in the cigar industry are friendly. They give you their, their product and you give them theirs and you trade off and things like that. So I don't have to walk into a humidor every day and, and, and spend my hard earned money on several cigars. And so you, you have to take that experience and, and because that's the experience of most people, right? It's not my experience, it's, it's everybody else's experience. And so uh, for me, it's important to make sure that I'm putting myself in the retailer's place in terms of the size of the boxes, in terms of uh, pricing structures, in terms of all, all those things, uh, in terms of the consumer, uh, in terms of the, the sales rep and kind of take all those things and create uh, create something that's going to make as many people happy as possible. You never make everybody happy, but uh, if you make uh, more of the people happy than not, you're going to be okay. Um, somebody just wanted to know the Casa Fernandez, Miami. They said, "What will that be called under the Agonorsa leaf name?" It's it's good. So it's called the Casa Fernandez Anniversario, and so the Anniversario aspect of it will be more emphasized. And we've we've we put a seal on it that says Agonorsa leaf on there. Um, sometimes it's, we also have to be careful changing anything too much. Like for instance, our right. GFR and lunatic lines, they, they, those sold before I got to the company, uh, you know, they, they were doing well. And there's people that, that smoke that cigar every day, day in and day out. And so you start changing that stuff too much. The guy gets, it's a different cigar. You know, uh, there's actually an, a study done by, uh, I guess, it, you know, uh, cocoa and Sprite, but if, if Sprite put too much, it's more than 30% of yellow in its packaging, people would complain it tastes too limiting. Uh, and so if, if you change how something looks, people think it's different and, uh, you gotta be real careful with that if something is successful and is selling well. So, uh, we, we've, we've tied in, uh, some stuff, uh, to like JFR and lunatic, for instance, like in terms of the guarantee sales and stuff like that, but we, we don't really want to mess with it too much. It's, uh, it's doing well as it is. It's not broke. Don't fix it. So we're down to our last few minutes. So what's ahead for Casa Fernandez? Agonorsa Leaf for those who are unfamiliar with the names. What's the head for you, for you all? So we're looking uh, to continue the path that we, we're on. We're, we're looking to continue expanding our, our, our Agonorsa uh, experience events. We're looking to, to uh, build new consumers. We're looking to make sure that our products uh, maintain a coherency in terms of the different expressions of it. Uh, and just, it's, it's really not to me rocket science. Uh, there's thousands of people out there that have never heard of Agonorsa uh, that smoke cigars. And so there's, the opportunity is endless. So rather than uh, continually try to 
you know, come out with something new and, and completely, you know, which now, as you mentioned, is a little bit more difficult uh, with, uh, with the challenges of FDA, um, is get people who, who uh, haven't heard of us aware um, and the people who have heard of us and enjoy the product, make sure that they know that they're appreciated and that we're working for them and, and that uh, we, can't, we can't do this without them. They're, they're crucial to our success. You know, and what do you kind of hope you know, in terms of getting back to some type of normalcy in the industry, what are your kind of hopes for the rest of this year? Like, uh, do we need to get back to the trade show in the summer? I know we have a big trade show coming up, PCA. There's lots yeah. of questions surrounding that, you know. I, I don't I don't think too much about stuff I can't control. So if the trade show's going on, we're gonna figure out a way to make the trade show successful. Uh, if, it's, if it doesn't go on for whatever reason, uh, then we'll figure something else out. I, I don't really have too much. I try not to focus too much on, on, on those things. I focus on the stuff that I can control and, uh, and, and I, I sleep a lot better that way uh, because I mean- A lot less to worry about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who, I mean, who knows? I mean, like who knows what, what uh, you know, that if you told me in January that we're gonna, this is what was gonna happen this year, I, I would have called you nuts. So nobody, nobody knows what's gonna happen. And uh, at, at the end of the day, you just make sure you're in a good position to, to adjust to whatever life throws at you. And Aganorsa, are you going to be all going to be doing more virtual events this year to kind of keep, like you said, to provide people with yeah. ways to kind of engage and interact with you all? Yeah, I mean, again, we're going to have to see how much things open up. Uh, we, we want it to be a great supplement. We, we still believe that the, the, in this industry, it's a person-to-person -person business. We still believe that's true, and we still believe that will primarily be true whenever this is done for. But there, there will be adjustments that need to be made, and, and it's a useful tool. I mean, if you're on a uh, a zoo, you know, a zoom, let's just say, you know, your, your territory is four or five states and you can't visit all of them on every trip. Well, you set up a zoom call. So you rotate them out. So that way you're seeing everybody in one form or another every six weeks, rather than if you miss that guy, cause his, you know, uh, wife went to labor or whatever. Uh, now you're not seeing him for six weeks. Maybe now you're going to see him in a couple of days because you can set up a, a zoom call with him or whatever. And, and so that, that's, to me, it's just taking, those uh, additional benefits and implementing them to what's already successful. So how can people learn more about Agonorsa, follow you all on social media? What's all the handles and websites to follow so that they can keep track of what so, you all are doing? So you definitely want to uh, check out our website, www.agonorsaleaf.com. It, it goes over our history. It gives a, a, you know, the vast majority of our products, at least the Coraline stuff. Um, talks about our Agonorsa experience events. Um, and then social media, Facebook, Instagram, uh, uh, Twitter is, is my name, it's Terrence Riley under uh, uh, Twitter, but Agonorsa Leaf, Agonorsa Leaf for Instagram, Agonorsa Leaf for, for uh, Facebook. Uh, so uh, please follow us on, uh, on those things. We also have a Facebook uh, uh, fan group, Agonorsa Acolytes, uh, please join. Um, you know, so, so there's about a hundred different ways to stay in touch with, with uh, our company and with me. And so just uh, whatever one's most comfortable with, uh, with, with you uh, is fine with me. Well, I mean, that's all the questions I have for today. I know there are a lot. So thank you for answering all the questions and kind of sharing more about the Agonorsa brand with all of us today. Like I said, I hope people who haven't tried Agonorsa leave now that they, they with this, they know a little bit more about it. And I hope that once things do let up and people can safely go to stores, that you'll go to your local brick and mortar store and you'll look for Agonorsa Leaf and um, give it a try. I, I like the way you think. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on.
Thank you. I look forward to our next encounter whenever that is. Hopefully it's um, sooner rather than later. From your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> uh, have a good day. Be safe. Have fun with your son. I've enjoyed seeing him uh, be able to hang out with you a little bit more during this time. So yeah, yeah too like you're having fun. Yeah, he's de he's definitely having fun. He's I think he's gonna burn the house down. We got in fact when this is over, I'm gonna get him out of the house so he doesn't make my wife nuts. He's uh he's got a lot of energy, so we, we got to get him out. Okay, well, <laughs> uh, have a great day, and I look forward to our next encounter. Thank you so much. Take care, brother. Thank you. You too.